Welcome to this Touch podcast activity, which has been recorded for Touch Oncology. This podcast aims to bring you expert perspectives from a multidisciplinary team on the case-based implementation of immune checkpoint inhibitors in endometrial cancer through shared decision-making. This activity is funded by an independent medical education grant from GlaxoSmithKline. This activity is provided by Touch IME. In this podcast, a gynaecological oncologist, a medical oncologist and a pathologist discuss the importance of shared decision-making in the management of endometrial cancer, with a focus on the role of the multidisciplinary team and molecular classification in decision-making. Hello. Welcome to this discussion about the importance of shared decision-making in the management of endometrial carcinoma. My name is uh, Christian Mart, and I'm today here with uh, Professor Ilaria Colombo from the Southern Institute of Oncology from Bellinzona and Professor Kjellin Bosse, pathologist from the Leiden Institute. So when we observe the development of the treatment in endometrial carcinoma, it has become much more complicated. We had uh, previously only chemotherapy, some kind of endocrine therapy, but now new approaches have been available. And therefore, maybe the multidisciplinary team is much more important. And I would like to ask first, Kjellin Bosse, as a pathologist, what is your opinion about this new team and the roles in decision-making? Well, thank you, Marth, for inviting me. Um, I've I mean, I'm obviously very happy that the pathologists are part of the multidisciplinary team in, in our institute. We have weekly uh, uh, team meetings in which we discuss all endometrial cancer patients. And um, you know, a long time ago, pathologists were still in the basements of, uh, of the clinic. And now uh, we are at the table and we, uh, I think uh, really, it's really nice to have like the possibility to explain uh, your pathology report and um, in my experience a lot of times there's still some open questions or subtleties that require um, additional verbal explanation so i think it's really nice that pathologists are now uh, really a, a full member of the uh, multidisciplinary team and especially in endometrial cancer as you say where um, a lot of aspects um, also on the pathology side are important in the decision making process so um I think Ilaria will agree, I hope. Yeah, I completely agree with uh, whatever you have uh, already said. So the treatment of endometrial cancer is getting more complicated, but because we have more options, we have also, uh, as you said, a better understanding of the uh, biology and the molecular pathology of this tumor. So I think we need all the experts uh, sitting together and decide and discuss uh, the characteristic of the tumor of that patient to make the best uh, the best decision. So the multidisciplinary team approach, I think, is uh, uh, needed for the best decision. Yeah, more recently, the new guideline from the ESGO, ESTRO, and European Society of Pathology has been introduced and uh, has changed also the landscape of treatment. Could, could you give your opinion about this uh, new guideline? Who goes first? Of course, the pathologist. <laughs> well, I don't know. We're not always first. Um, 
Yeah, so of course, I mean, I was part of, of the development of the guidelines. So I'm not fully objective, but uh, I think it was an, a, a real milestone in uh, delivering that. And I think it was courageous as well, because at the time, of course, there was a lot of data out there, um, uh, especially retrospective cohorts showing prognostic refinement uh, using the molecular classification. Um, but uh, I remember a lot of discussion was 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 there whether it was you know ready for prime time and if people would expect accept it and would be starting to implement it. And what I've seen recently since is that there's actually quite a lot of reports of um, experience that people show from their institute where they have started to implement the molecular classification. And uh, generally, I read very positive uh, uh, feedback where indeed they see prognostic refinement and as well feasibility of implementing the molecular classification. And I think very important just to add uh, shortly is that, of course, the guideline did um, realize that people were many, maybe not immediately ready for this uh, transition. And therefore, the guideline also provides in their table uh, the scenario where you do not have access to a molecular classification. So it really gives guidance to both and uh, provides people and countries and sites to take their time in their implementation route. So, um, but definitely a, a, a big change, of course. Ilaya, what is your opinion from a medical oncologist perspective? Yeah, so I, I think that this the introduction of molecular classification will be really important because uh, this provides a prognostic value as well. So we have seen that there are molecular group like the polymutated uh, patient where we can de-escalate treatment. So we can avoid the treatment that are toxic if this is not improving the outcome of the patient. And this is also predictive of activity. We know that the MSI high um, tumor type, they respond better to immune checkpoint inhibitor. So defining which molecular subgroup a tumor um, uh, is fitting is important for uh, the prognosis, for the prediction of the effect of the advanced treatment, but also in the advanced setting because we can tailor uh, the type of treatment as well. So for sure, for a medical oncology perspective, it's been a, a good instrument to better define uh, how to treat our, uh, our patient in the different setting. Yeah, this molecular classification has really changed our approach to the treatment uh... Um, of endometrial carcinoma and more than that also our thinking about the biology. Jalin, could you give us a more insight in the, in the most important groups and how we, should, how we should use this molecular classification? Um, yeah, well, so it's, it's really, it's like Ilaria said, it provides a biological basis uh, more than it, uh, the, the um, histopathological classification as we, as we knew it uh, uh, endometrioid, non-endometrioid. And uh, on top of the biological information, it is more robust in terms of reproducibility. So it, it provides a real uh, step up in terms of uh, diagnostic approach. Um, the, the molecular classification really isn't that complex. It's um, You have to uh, implement three tests. Um, so that is a sequencing of the exonuclease domain of poly. Uh, MMR, immunohistochemistry, and uh, P53 immunohistochemistry. Uh, so it's really three additional tests. And then using the diagnostic algorithm that we have developed, um, uh, you end up with four molecular classes, either polymutant, uh, MMR deficient, uh, P53 abnormal, or the remaining group, which is commonly referred to as non-specific molecular profile, or NSMP. So it's basically four molecular classes, and uh, the way we implemented it in the, uh, in our setting is that we pretty much 
um, give the exact same conclusion text as we always did, but now it ends with a molecular class, uh, and then I usually in brackets say WHO 2020 because it's been implemented in the WHO, uh, and then I provide the molecular class, and this is input for the multidisciplinary uh, meeting. Yeah, I think that's also very important information that also the FIGO classification and for the staging will also incorporate now also this molecular classification for the for defining a st stage which was up to now only classified by uh, anatomical pathological findings. I think that's really a major step forward. You you mentioned also NSMP. What what kind of further evaluation? Because that's a very heterogeneous group. Are you proposing? What is the role of hormone receptor in this? Oh yeah, well, Christian, you just said one other thing. You said something about the FIGOS proposal uh, that just recent, very recently came out with the incorporation of the marker class. I must say, I find this slightly controversial, um, um, but maybe we have to discuss this at another uh, event. Um, with regard to the NSMP, well, there's a lot. It's true. It's an heterogeneous cohort. So, in in, in many ways, it's not one molecular class. It's it's uh, heterogeneous, and um, there's there's ways to probably further refine the molecular classification. Uh, and uh, the one that is currently, let's say, in pole position, is uh, expression of ER. Um, so, uh, in ten percent ish of the uh, NSMP group, there is a lack of. ER expression, usually accompanied by also lack of PR expression. And what we've now seen by three independent groups is that that specific subset has a very poor prognosis. In fact, it's it's comparable to the P53 abnormal uh, ECs. And um, it's populated by uh, clear cell carcinomas, mesonephric-like carcinomas, D-differentiated carcinomas. So there is also probably an histological surrogate or, or surrogate that you can use. So the, the molecular classification is driving us and is giving us a an, an clear recommendation how we treat the patient, but also patient profile and additional characteristics are important for the decision how we define the treatment. And what is your approach, Inaya? What would you recommend for as most important factors? Yeah, so thank you very much. This is a very important point because we discussed a lot about the tumor characteristic, uh, tumor molecular profile, but it's also important, it's very important that obviously we need to tailor this on the patient characteristic. Uh, so we know that patients with endometrial cancer might have different comorbidities sometimes, particularly the one with the endometroid subtype, so uh, obesity, hypertension, diabetes, and the age of the patient as well. So we need to take into account patient characteristic in terms of performance status, comorbidities, general condition, and also patient willingness in the, when we make our uh, proposal in terms of the treatment recommended for that patient. So we need to have all together and balance well the tumor features and the patient characteristic to make the, the best recommendation in that specific clinical scenario. Yeah, that's a very important point. Thank you very much, Ilaria. And with this, we are also on the end of this very interesting discussion. I would like to thank again, Ilaria and Charling and you for your attention. Thank you, thank Mark. You. Thank you for listening to this Touch podcast. You can access more content on gynecological cancers on Touch Oncology at www.touchoncology.com. 
Don't forget there are two other chapters in this series, so please listen in for further insights from the multidisciplinary team.